Momaji, how can we achieve balance in our lives? We see a world in which violence appears to be increasing. People act in very crazy ways that seem mentally imbalanced. How can we create more balance? How do you get balance? Well, you have to understand that everything is dual. To have balance, you have to balance the left and the right. A tightrope walker will make sure that he doesn't fall right or left. I'm doing it from your direction. <laughs> and uh, um, so I think that the most important thing is not to go with things. When, for example, you see people on television getting all excited because they've got this beautiful new soap or <laughs> whatever it might be, don't get excited. Realize that after this, then what? Things will begin, will, will be again calm and different. Don't go with things, don't go with the mood of the moment, don't go with fads, don't go with people's opinions. Always refer things back to your own center so that you don't go too far left or too far right. Always ask yourself, does this feel right to me? And you will find that in that thinking that many times people's opinions are completely unbalanced. They hate somebody because you, if you find somebody hating you, for example, I remember this one man said to me, I don't know why I hate you, but I hate you. I just had to say, I'm sorry, I don't hate you. I can't help you. But uh, don't, be, don't get swept up by other people's emotions. I know that, you know, there was a, it was a man standing on a ledge in a high building going to throw himself off. The people down below were saying, come on, jump, jump. How can they do such a thing? It was, uh, think things through. Would you like to be that person squashing on the pavement? Fortunately, I don't think ever people, people ever reach the point of knowing that they've squashed their bodies. I think your body is take, your consciousness is taken out of your body before that. But the thing is that people's opinions are so often unbalanced. You talk of the hatred in this world. Ask yourself, I know, for example, there was this heavy anti-German feeling in America and in England during the Second World War. Well, I had driven through Germany. Yes, I knew that the Nazis were uh, doing evil things, but I found many very kind and good people in Germany. I could never persuade myself that the German people were evil or that the Japs were evil or anybody's evil. And uh, this generalization that people make, this fantasy that some people are evil, um, you get angry with people because they've done this. Or realize people are people. They may make mistakes. They may be wrong in certain ways. But we should have compassion, not anger. So the violence that we see in the world today is based on the simple fact, it derives from the simple fact that people want things their way. Why do people get angry? Because things aren't going the way they want them to. Then why want them that way? Why not just accept that this is how they are? It seems silly to get angry. If, if people are going to all be angry with you and hate you, well, let them do it. Why get angry about it yourself? Why enter into that? The basic reason for not having negative emotions is that it makes you unhappy. You become restless. You become uh, 
shrinking in your identification. You don't become, you don't broaden your identity to feel the sorrows and the joys of other people. So a balanced life helps you to see things as they are. An unbalanced life, well, when I'm tottering over here like this, how can I think about anything but getting back to, to my balance again? When you're calm, then you see things equally. And achieving that calmness, how do we get to that state of even-mindedness? When things are good, say they won't stay this way. When things are bad, say they won't stay this way. Just recognize that life is constantly changing. You can never reach a point of absolute fulfillment until you find God. You finally get your fulfillment, then you have to find out that somebody steals what you have, your business fails, your wife dies, whatever it might be. There's always ups and downs in this world. You cannot help it. And so withdraw your mind a little bit. Just I know there's a story Yogananda told about a, a man whose son was bitten and killed by a cobra. And he accepted the news calmly, and his wife said, you're heartless. He said, no, you don't understand. I... I dreamt last night that I was a king, and I had six sons, and they were all bitten by cobras and died. Now I'm trying to decide which one should I grieve, this one son in this dream or my six sons in that dream. It's all a dream. We've got to understand that this life, it's not real. The only reality is God. Nothing else is real. And if you can reach that point, then um, pain, suffering, all these things don't have the same meaning for you. You try to correct them, but you don't get absolutely absolutely devastated by them. Is that partly why the scriptures say mm -hmm. that contentment is the supreme virtue? Yes. Santosha, they call it in India. It's the supreme virtue. Because when you're contented, you can be even-minded all the time. A very good practice is to try to be even-minded and cheerful at all times. Now, somebody very close to you dies. You can't be cheerful about that in the sense of a ho-ha-ha, -ha, what fun. But you can say, I, will, I know that it's temporary, that soul goes on. I will join, if we have love, I will join that soul in the future. And so you know that, that uh, death will come in the end to everything. I have this book that I wrote, A Pilgrimage to Guadalupe, and it begins with this man at the graveyard where he's just lost his wife, and he feels this great uh, anguish, and he realizes that it isn't due to her loss because he knew that that would have to come sooner or later. But to ask, he's asking himself, why do we have to live in the first place? Well, we have to live because we have to learn how to live. We have to learn how to live because we have to learn how to become even-minded and cheerful and to experience God, who is that unchanging bliss, to experience Him in every moment of our lives. This is why life is necessary. And it's a delusion, it's a dream, but we have to go through those experiences to realize, finally, that we are a part of Him. Swamiji, um the, we've spoken of mental balance, which is sort of a, another way of saying mental hygiene. 
Is there is there a prior? I mean, physical mm -hmm. hygiene. We understand what to do about our bodies, but are there practices that would help to create more of that? I certainly think so. There are thoughts that are toxic. Negative thinking is toxic. It actually attracts to you. I mean, every thought that you have is project. It projects energy, and that energy creates a magnetic field. And so, if you expect to fail you'll be much more likely to fail than if you'd expect success. I used to have this theory when I was in college. If you want to be lucky, then don't just wait around for luck to come to you. Expect to be lucky and go out and meet luck halfway. And I found that that theory worked. Everything I tried to do, it was successful. Then I got into a period where I became ill and uh, I lost my energy. And from then on, for, for the period, well, while that period of negativity last, lasted, nothing went right. So my expectations are a very important part of whether I will really succeed. So toxic thoughts are negative thoughts. Anything that creates, it's like static on a radio. If you're not right on the, the program, we had this old radio in Deliage when I was a boy that was this is BBC, and so that static we have to get rid of because it prevents us from clear thinking, it prevents us from feeling, uh, from understanding things are right, we get prejudices against people, we hate people, we get angry at things, this is all toxic and it's very important to understand that your thoughts are more important even than what you eat. They're the more toxic thing. Hatred, anger, greed, lust, all these faults are faults because they, they um, confuse your own brain. You don't see things clearly. And nothing comes right with for you when you are toxic like that. Swamiji, when Christ speaks of uh, what comes out of you as being sort of more dangerous or more important than what goes in. That's what he's saying. But how does it come out? Where does it come from in order to come out? Well, you, your thoughts are your sort of force field around you. And so, if however, if you're a speaker, you're, you're speak, your mouth is the cannon and words are the cannonballs. And if you speak negative thoughts, it's even worse than thinking negative thoughts. I mean, I may just hate you, but if I say so, then it becomes clear. And so always remember, think before you speak. Think, will this be beneficial to somebody? Just don't blurt out, oh, you always... Somebody said that one of the reasons for their harmony in marriage was that they had decided at the beginning never to use the word always. You know, you always do something when really you only did it once. So think before you speak. Think, is this going to be helpful? Don't speak unhelpful truths, even if they're true. Wait until you think that this can help that person and then say it. And the people who blurt out their opinions create havoc. It's like a battlefield with destroyed relationships. Many, uh, many friendships have been destroyed by an inconsidered or ill-considered word. And on the other hand, you can build friendships. When you think carefully, is this going to help this person? Don't just think what I want to say. Think if he's ready to hear it. 
If he's not, then why is that? I found that this is a very important thing that I've learned in my life because I used to be too quick to say what I thought. I was in a restaurant when I was three years old in New York, and there was the silence that comes in a restaurant sometimes. And at that moment, little Donnie, me, said, Daddy, tell us about the time you escaped from prison. And there was this stunned silence. <laughs> and then suddenly everybody was laughing. What had happened was that my grandfather had said, well, he, my father had paid a traffic fine. And he said, well, I guess he avoided prison this time. But I've learned because my tendency was to say things too without thinking enough. And my guru scolded me about it. But I've learned that uh, uh, friendships can be built or destroyed just with an ill-considered word. I've always, therefore, before saying anything, tried to think, is this the right thing to say? Will it help this person? You can see somebody ill. Don't say you look ill. Say you look as if you might be able to be much better.